Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. excited that you're here today. Today is going to be just a little bit different. We just finished a series and we're starting a new series next week, but we have been planning what we're doing today for the last several weeks. And to be honest, guys, we're super excited that you're here. MTSU football team obviously is here. We're excited that you guys are here. And we're going to talk today about the art of winning. And we put this message together and what we're about to do before we knew you guys were coming today, which in just a few moments, maybe you'll think that's pretty cool, or maybe you won't, which will be awkward. Um, you know, we're glad you guys were here last year. We're glad you came back. I just realized you were here last year. Nick preached, and you came back again this year. So if you don't come next year, that's going to be like super weird uh, because I preached, you didn't come back. But my wife and I, Amy and I, one of the things that we love is we we truly love college football. I don't want to make any of you guys jealous here, but on Saturday morning in our house. Uh, from early in the morning to late at night, we're watching football, and uh, I can watch. I have an unlimited college football pass. I don't have that on anything else, but she loves it, so we enjoy doing that. We were out walking this week and in our neighborhood, and we could hear the marching band from Siegel High School kind of playing, and it kind of gets you ready, like it's just around the corner. It's almost here. You know, I know Friday all over the country, guys like you are out on the field practicing. It's just incredibly hot, but it, it's that time. And what we're going to talk about today, it's that time for a breakthrough, that time to win. We're going to talk about the art of winning today, but we're going to talk about the art of winning where it really matters. And so we're excited. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to turn your attention to the screen. We're excited. Kelly Holcomb, who is a former MTSU quarterback, Kelly played 13 years in the National Football League. In 2003, in a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kelly threw for 429 yards, which was a playoff record at that time. And so Kelly, was over this week and we just sat down and visited for a little bit and just talked about uh, what it really takes to be a be a winner what's the art of winning like so let's take a look at the screens for just a moment hey guys we are honored today to have kelly holcomb with us as uh, we're going to talk about the art of winning and and kelly we're excited because you're a guy who knows a thing or two about <laughs> winning the pride of lincoln county high school you're a middle tennessee guy and then one of the all-time greats at Middle Tennessee State University. And you have played, and, and when, anytime you talk to a, a player, whatever the sport, uh, one of the things that the players remember most is just their teammates. They, they love that. Those are, those are great things. But you've played with a lot of, lot of good players. But if you had to say maybe one characteristic that all the great ones have, is there a characteristic that comes to your mind that really every great player you've played with really has? That's a good question, Brady. It's pro probably the drive, the drive to be successful. Um, you know, I, I had that drive. Uh, I can remember, you know, Peyton being a rookie and, and him having that drive. And I tell people this story all the time. You know, I, I used to think he was a nerd because, he, you know, he watched so much tape. And he actually, he actually helped me in learning how to watch tape. Uh, I'm sure he got that from his dad, but uh, there was one thing in practice that he couldn't get. He was taking a three-step drop, and we were pumping, and then he was, you know, taking two two steps to get some depth because we were trying to throw a pump and go to somebody, and he could not get that. So he had guys come out and, and film, you know, his footwork, and he was just – he had that drive to be good. He had that drive to be successful, and I think that's what any, 
you know, yeah. great athlete has to have. You have you have to have the want to. You've got to, and you know, I know it's clicheous, but but you know, people say you got to come in early and you got to stay late. But not many people do that. Not many people believe that. But if you want to be good, you really have to put in the time. You have to put in the work, and you have to have a belief in yourself. But you have to have that drive that says, yeah. "I'm going to be the best that I can be. Right. I want to be the best player that I can be, the best person that I can be." And you have to have that drive. And I think that's. You know, that's what the Peyton Mannings of the world, that's what Tom Brady, yeah. uh, you know, the guys that are really successful have that drive to be successful. You know, the thing that I love most about what you, and you mentioned Lori, Lori and I went to high school together, great girl. One of the things that, that I just love most about you guys, it's it's not all this stuff behind us. I mean, that that's super cool. What a great career. 13 years in the NFL, there's just a small percentage of people on planet Earth that have had an opportunity like that. It's really good. But I really love what you guys are doing on, on Thursday yeah. evenings during high school football season. You have these uh, guys over and invite somebody. I've had a chance to come and do that just to, to talk to them about what's really important about their faith and have a meal right. for them. And so in some ways, I know winning is still important to you as a coach, but in some ways, if you kind of redefine what winning is in your life. Yeah, winning is important. It's always been important because there's, there's a scoreboard up there and they keep score, right. but uh, I, I don't really, and I, I never, Brady, I never wanted to get into coaching. I really didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, you know, I was doing the broadcasting for middle. Uh, I'd had a long career in the National Football League. Uh, I wanted to be, you know, be able to come back and enjoy my kids and watch them grow up. And, you know, I, I think I was led. I, I was with a Bible study, uh, and some of the guys go to, go to church here, uh, but I was with a Bible study. Uh, it's probably been five or six years ago, but, you know, uh, Mr. Van Zant, Nicky Van, Mickey Van Zant, you yeah. know him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we had it over, and you know, he's he's one of the most spiritual guys I know. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know him until then. And my right. wife, you know, she, he he taught over at Riverdale, but right. you know, there were a couple of guys, and he 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 would always say, "When are you gonna get in the game? Yeah. When are you gonna get in the game?" And then that kept eating at my heart, you know. And and this was before I was coaching. Yeah, and he said, "When are you gonna get in the game?" And he kept saying that every time I saw him. When are you gonna get in the game? And yeah. finally, I broke and told him, "You know, I, I do want to do that because that's you know I, I enjoy." Yeah. I, I went into coaching, Brady, and and I'll just tell everybody I went into coaching not because I wanted to coach mm -hmm. and not because I wanted to win games, right. but I wanted to be around young men and try to teach them how to be a productive member of society, right. and to try to show them because I, I tell people and I'm just gonna kind of open up here. Uh, when I was younger, when I played ball, my mouth was awful. Yeah. It was horrendous. And when I started having kids and I started, you know, getting, getting involved in church more, I just felt like I got to stop that, yeah. you know. And there's nothing worse today. And I, and I have those devotionals because I want those guys to have, because I want them to understand that uh, there, there's a life after this one. Yeah, you know, and what we do on this earth really matters. Yeah, and when I hear these young kids with their mouths and they they talk a certain way, and it it really because I was there, mm -hmm. I and I and I have the experience with that, and that's what I try to explain to them. What you're doing is a road to nowhere. You right. know, it's a it's a road to nowhere, and it leads to other things. And you know, I just hate hearing hearing the things that come out. You, you know, you look at our world now, and you and you watch the news, and yeah. you know, everybody just says this, and they're doing whatever makes them feel good, and that's not what that's not what this life is about. That's not what you're up here talking about. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. Right. I mean, we're all supposed to follow Him and be like Him, and we're supposed to make disciples, and that's that's the reason that I'm doing this. I just I, I enjoy being around the game of football. 
I enjoy being around kids. I enjoy, I, you know, sometimes I get irritated. Yeah. Sometimes I say things, but, you know, with the exception of, you know, way back when, I don't do that kind of stuff anymore yeah. because I think that we've all got higher callings. And, you know, I, I try to do that through the game of football. I love doing that on Thursday night that you're talking about. You know, I, I enjoy bringing those guys in my house and, and giving them something outside of football. Yeah. And it's just fun for me. That's really cool. And, and I, I say what uh, – what Mickey told you to get in the game, you're in the game. Yeah, I'm trying to be. I, I mean, we we got I, I got a long way to go, as we all do. But uh, you know, we are we are not perfect. And uh, but I'm you know I'm, I, I say a prayer every day, trying to hey let let me do what you want me to do. Yeah, you know? that's really cool. I tell you what, Kelly, thanks for the difference you're making in our community. Uh, thanks for your friendship and thanks for helping us out today. Hey, I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate Kelly and, and being here this week. We're going to put that entire interview uh, online. It was about an hour that he talked. He had some really, really cool stuff, some good Peyton Manning stories. So you're into that. Uh, you may want to want to listen uh, to that. Today, as we think about the art of winning, let's just be really clear with what we're going to talk about today. We're really going to talk about how in my life and in your life, we can start to have some victory over some sin areas that have really been defeating us in the past. And, and, and maybe for you and, and maybe for me, it's kind of some thought patterns of just feeling insecure, uh, feeling unworthy, feeling like a victim. How can I begin to get some wins in this area of my life? Maybe it's some, some attitudes because there's just been some things that have happened in your past and it has been so hard to, to have some forgiveness for those folks that have hurt you and wronged you. But it, it's a sense that, that you were beaten here in this area of your life or there was a loss in this area of your life, but the enemy just keeps using it for more and more defeat in your life. And so you want to break through. You want to want to win. There's some unforgiveness. There's some jealousy in your life. Maybe it's just some actions where, just to be honest, as weeks go by, you think, man, I, I thought I should be overcoming this area in my life. There's some websites that you clicked on this week that you just said, you know what, man, I thought I was beyond that, but you just keep going back to some old sin areas and some sin patterns. There's some dishonesty in your professional life. There's some uh, abuse to some substances. Man, alcohol was something just like as a, as a social part of your life that was going on for years, but now it has just taken over your life in so many ways, and, and you want to break free, and you wonder how you could have some wins. How can you have some victories? For me, it's just food, man. I, I can just give into that over and over again, and it can have too big a control in my life. So how can we begin to start racking up some wins in our life spiritually? Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says about that, because the Bible has an amazing plan, and we're going to talk about what it means to really understand the art of winning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. If you don't have a scripture, we're going to put the scripture up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Let, let's take a look at this. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's, he's writing to a group of people who lived in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was known to hold the Isthmus Games. There were two great athletic events in this ancient world, the Olympics that were in Athens and the Isthmus Games that were in Corinth. And so the people in Corinth knew a ton about athletics and a ton about sports. And so what Paul is doing in this passage is he's relating some principles in athletics to our spiritual life, to this journey, to this race we're on as followers of Christ, if, if you are a follower of Christ. Paul says this, he says, do you know that in a race all the runners run? And to that, everybody would say, well, well, yeah, like everybody knows that in a race, every, everybody runs. But he says, but, 
but only one gets the prize. And to that, people would say, yeah, that, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of weak. That's sort of the hard part of, of, of sports. It's really only one winner. If there's 400 people that line up and run, only one wins. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, that's not the way it is spiritually. He's saying in this race called Christ-likeness or pursuing Christ in your Christian life, listen, you can win. You can have victory in your life. It's not just one person that wins and the rest of us lose that we can have some victory. And so he's, he's trying to offer some hope to the people. But then here's what he says. He says, you've got to learn to run in such a way as to get the prize. He's saying, in your spiritual life, you've got to run like a winner. You've got to understand what it takes to win. And he's really saying there's a lot of principles in athletics that can really transfer. First of all, you've got to learn to run according to the rules. You've got to know what God says in each and every situation. If not, you're going to be, you're going to be disqualified. I mean, you've got to go into training. There's going to be some effort there. And he's trying to pick up on these principles. And then he says this, verse 25, he says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And to that, everyone would say, yeah, that's right. If you're going to win, you've got to train. This doesn't come easy. He said, they do it to get a crown that will not last. He's saying, the, the, the prize that everybody is training so hard for, listen, it's not going to last. I mean, if I had to ask you who won the Super Bowl five years ago, don't Google it. I don't know either. I, I don't know. Right, And I'm not saying that, that it's not that that's not important, but, but, but Paul is saying we give so much to things that just really don't, don't, don't matter in the long run so much, but what we do spiritually matters now and forevermore. So he's saying this is so much more in, important. He says, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. That, that t- today, that is the most important part of this passage. And I want to try to break this down. He says, I don't run as someone like someone running aimlessly. Now, that word aimless me, aimlessly means without purpose, without a clear process. And I, I don't know, in, in my neighborhood, there are two young guys this summer. Uh, one's a high school uh, kid. One is uh, an elementary school kid. They're brothers. And their dad makes them run around our block. And the, the older brother, because they're, they're, they're football players, and he's doing that to get them in shape, the older, older brother glides. I mean, he can really move. I mean, I, he, 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 can, he can move. His younger brother is younger and chubby, which I am too, so I relate to him. And he doesn't run so well, right? I mean, he is fighting it. He's flailing his arms. And you can tell the older brother, he gets frustrated because he loops around and kind of runs in circles around him. And he is not smooth at all. I mean, how many, you guys, we have some receivers over there. You guys still wait? Receivers, can you raise your hand? Receivers? Yeah. These are the guys that can move. I mean, you watch them run, they glide. And, and Paul says, spiritually, you need to learn how to run with purpose and not just flailing around. around. So many of us are kind of flailing around spiritually. We don't have a clear clear plan. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. You know, a boxer doesn't just come out and just start slinging punches. I mean, I mean, a boxer comes out and he's got a plan. There's footwork and he's strategic with his punches. And he's saying, this is what needs to happen for you and for me spiritually. We need to have a plan spiritually if we're going to experience some success. Let me ask you something before we get started. I'm going to share three things in this plan today. But this message isn't going to help anybody unless you're ready. That's what I'm coming to learn. It isn't going to help anybody unless you're ready. You know, you know, great teams, I think great teams have one thing in common. Great teams are just hungry. Great teams are ready to win. And people who are winning spiritually are hungry. They're just sick and tired of feeling the way they felt. They're sick and tired of the frustration and the pain and the difficulties and the guilt and the shame. And they just got to a place and said, you know what, I'm ready. And I'm just wondering, is there anybody in this room today, anybody watching online that would like a breakthrough this fall? I would. 
I'd like some breakthroughs this fall. I'd like to start winning in some ways that I have been losing spiritually. Now, here's a couple things. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do this, and we're going to compare the Christian life and the art of winning uh, to the three phases of a football game. Now, this is what I think is interesting. We set this up before we, you guys, uh, we knew you guys were, were, were coming, and this will be overly simplistic to, 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 to some of you. But here's the first phase. The first phase I want to talk about is special teams. There was a guy Thursday night in our service. He came up after to get his notes filled. And he said, I don't know what special teams are. I'm like, dude, you need to cut the Star Trek episodes a little bit. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I actually did. Um, the special teams, you know, that's kickoff team, punt team, field goals. Those are special teams. And many times, special teams can be the most overlooked part of a football game. And that's many times where, where games are won or lost. I shared this illustration Thursday night. My wife got, got so upset. She's, a, she's, an, she's an Alabama fan. No, no, no offense. Uh, but we don't need to hear from you. We've heard enough <laughs> from, from you guys. But in 2013... In 2013, it's the very end of the Iron Bowl. Do you guys remember? Alabama is kicking a field goal to win the Iron Bowl. Now some Auburn fans. Again, this is not about you. This is about Jesus, so just down. <laughs> Nobody cares. And so Alabama's kicking a field goal. They line up to kick the field goal. It's 50-something, 50 57-yard field goal. And, and Auburn sends a guy back at the goal line, a defensive back, Chris Davis. He's there waiting. The kick comes up short. He catches it nine yards deep in the end zone and runs it all the way back for a touchdown. My house just went into full-blown just panic mode. I mean, everything just shut down. My wife, all the Alabama fans, I mean, they just lost it. It was, it, was, it was terrible. And it was just special teams. Special teams many times win or lose the game. And so I'm going to say spiritually, let's start with that. What does special teams have to do with the, our Christian life? Well, a lot. Look at this passage of Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Let me read that to you again. His divine power. Whose divine power? That's God's divine power. The word power in the Greek there is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. And so here, here's, what, what, here's what I want you to see. His divine power. This is, what I, this is what special teams are. First of all, has given who? Has given us. Listen, this is why here at New Vision, more than anything else, we say if you only have one hour to give in a week, we'd rather you give it inside a small group because I can tell you guys who are not winning, there are guys and gals who are living in isolation. If you're not surrounded by other believers, you have other believers that you have led into your life, listen, you're an easy target for the enemy. That's a part of what it means to be on a special team, that i got people around me that are encouraging me. But this special team is more than that. There's supernatural power. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Not most things, but everything. Every issue that you and I have that we are facing, listen, I believe that God has power to give you victory in that area of your life. Do you believe that? Most people don't, right? Most people don't. But this is, this is the art of winning. It's getting to the place where you start to believe, God, what I'm going through right now, this unforgiveness I'm feeling that I can't seem to overcome, this addiction to this one thing in my life I can't seem to overcome, I believe that you have that power to begin to give me victory in that area of my life. And so winners start to appropriate that power in their life. And so how do we appropriate that power in our life? Look at this, James chapter 1, verse 6. Here's the answer to that question. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. 
that you begin to have some faith. What is faith? It is believing that God is who he said he is and that he would do what he said he would do. And so if I'm going to begin to experience that in whatever area that is in your life, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because anyone who has doubt, the scripture says, is like a wave tossed back and forth on the sea, blown back and forth by the wind. You see? So beginning to say, God, I I don't know, would you begin to grow my faith? And sometimes people ask, how does my faith grow? Well, well, the Bible's really clear. Faith is like a muscle. When we expose ourselves to the word, the word grows our faith. God will grow your faith. Faith comes by hearing, the scripture says, and hearing through the word of God. So as I'm exposed to the word of God, my faith grows. And I begin to believe that God really has the power to set me free in my life. Here's a statement that will summarize point number one, special teams. Winning spiritual battles is a matter of trusting over trying. So many people spiritually are just flailing around. They may even be putting in a lot of effort in their life. Some do, some don't. But they're not experiencing any victory. Why? Because it starts by trusting, by the belief that says, God, I can't, but you can. Do you understand that? God, I can't, but you can. There's an area of my life, I can't overcome it, but I believe that you can. And you say, why do you believe that? Well, here's why I believe that. Because three days Jesus was in the grave, and on the third day he stepped out of the grave. That is power, and that same power is made available to us as believers if we begin to believe it and appropriate that in our life. And that's the start of the art of winning. Let's look at the second phase. Defense. Coaches say offense might win games. Defense wins championships. In fact, uh, Kelly and I were talking about this. If you watch the video, you'll, uh, you'll get to see this. In that game where he threw for 429 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field in 2003, they lost that game. They scored 33 points, but I think the Steelers scored 36 You see, so what does it mean defensively? What is my defensive strategy in my life? Because if you are going to begin to win spiritually, you've got to have a defensive scheme to help you win. Now, let's look at it. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is a great passage. Here we go. We're talking about defense. And again, let me just tell you something. This message isn't going to help anyone unless you apply some of these principles and do some work yourself, right? So here we go. Here's what the Bible says, guard your heart above all else. That sounds pretty important, doesn't it? Guard your heart above all else for it is the what? What does scripture say? It is the source of life. Guard your heart. Well, let's ask the question, what is our heart? It is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And guard your heart above all else because it is the source of life. Three reasons why it's so important to guard your heart. Just really quickly, you have them in your notes there? Let's take a look at these. Number one, we guard our hearts because your heart is extremely valuable. It's extremely valuable. On Thursday evenings, I just have a routine. I I leave church, I go home, and I take our trash and put it out to the road because the garbage man comes to my house at 4.30. It feels like on Friday morning, every Friday morning. I think he takes his break right out in front of my house with the truck running. Um, But I never come in after taking the trash out, and Amy doesn't say, hey, who's staying with that tonight? What do you mean who's staying with it? Who's guarding? We don't guard our trash, do you? I know that's goofy. Nobody guards their trash. Why do you not guard your trash? Because it's not valuable. It's not worth anything. You don't have a plan. It's not like you say, you know, if you take the first shift, you know, 12 to 3, I'll go from 3 to 6. We don't do that. You see, that's how most people are as it relates to their heart, our mind, will, and emotions. We don't have any kind of plan for guarding. There's no defensive scheme for our heart, but it is the source of life. So we have to understand it's exceedingly valuable. Look at, look at number two, because your heart is the source of everything you do. Why is it important to guard your heart or have a defensive strategy for your heart? Because it is the source of everything that you do. Everything in your life flows out of what comes into your heart. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, for as a 
man thinks in his heart, so he is. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And we don't understand that. Listen, the people that speak into your life, the stuff they say, the things that I listen to, the things that I look at in my life, man, that, that has an impact in my life. It just does, whether you like it or not. Because your life and my life, catch this, is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So what is your defensive strategy for your heart? Most people, most people aren't thinking about how they can guard their heart in any way, shape, fashion, or form. That's why you let people that are just spewing stuff that is so far from the truth speak into your life, and it affects your life. We look at things, we listen to things, and that affects our life. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you just really clearly to think about something today. What is one thing, what is one thing you can do in your life this week to strengthen kind of your defensive scheme in your heart? Just one thing that you can do. It'll make a big, big difference. Number three, third thing about your heart, because your heart is always under attack. You have to have a defensive scheme for your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions because that's the battlefield, man. That's where this thing is won or lost. And you know who knows that? The enemy knows that. So he's always attacking with thoughts that come into your mind, with people speaking things into your mind, with all these other influences coming into your mind. That's what's going on. And when you understand that, like if if I told you this, if I told you Wednesday, your house, your dorm, your apartment is going to be broken into it at 12.30 on, on Wednesday uh, morning. Listen, you would have a plan to protect that, wouldn't you? If you knew an attack is coming, can I just tell you something right now? It's coming. There is an attack today, tomorrow, and the next day by the enemy for your heart. What is your defensive strategy against that? Look at this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This passage has, I cannot tell you how much this has helped me. I cannot tell you how much this has helped me. Watch this for just a moment. I'm almost done. You guys are doing good. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we live in the world, Paul says, we do not wage war as the world does. We understand how to fight differently. That's what he's saying, spiritual battles. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, right? I mean, we have an arsenal, we have prayer, we have the word of God, we have believers, all these things around us that begin to empower us spiritually. On the contrary, here here we go, they have divine power. There it is again, divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, this word stronghold, I want to talk about it for just a moment. The word stronghold, it means this. It is a prison where the prisoners are locked up by lies. That's what a stronghold is. It sounds like a churchy word, but everybody in this room has them. It's a stronghold in your life, and you can't seem to break through. Here's what you need to know about a stronghold. It's a prison, and you've been locked up by lies that you've believed from the enemy. And the only way that you're going to be free is to begin to understand that. Now, I told this story in the last service. It doesn't put me in a very good light. But years ago, I was a youth pastor. We had a, a youth event at Opryland Hotel. And so we had 150 high school kids going to this conference. It was at Opryland Hotel. I don't know if you've been to Opryland Hotel. It's bigger than Laverne, right? And so I'm there with 150 high school kids. I'm 30 years old. And all week, leaders who were going with me, they called, had something come up. So they're canceling, canceling, canceling. And so I, I, it's just me and a couple other folks with 150. We get in a room, and I'm about to give out the keys. And they're looking around. They're looking around like, we got them. The numbers are clearly on our side here. And so I, I was, again, don't, don't think less of me. I was 30 years old. I had 150 high schoolers. I had like three adults. And I thought they were going to put us in a block of rooms where we were just all on the same floor so it would be easier to keep up. No, they put us all over the place. And so that, that was back when we just, you just had the, the electronic keys were just coming in where you could swipe. I mean, it wasn't just the, the standard key they were coming out. This is before the Internet, right? 
And so I'm, I'm meeting with these kids, and it just came to me. I said, I got to think of something. So here's what I said. I said, hey, guys, listen up. I'm about to give you your key. Now, here's what you need to know about this key. You swipe this key on the metal box outside your door. A green light will come on. If the door will open, you can go in your door. Now, here's the way this, that box works on the outside of your door. When you open that door up to go outside, there is also a message that goes immediately to the front desk. So they know when your door is open, and they send that message immediately to my room. And so I know the technology is here. I know the room number, the door that opens up, and I will immediately be there. I'm calling your mom or dad. They're coming to get you. So I'm talking to these 150 high school. Now, this is, again, they couldn't Google it, right? You can see the looks on their face are like, Okay. That night it was sweet. Nobody left. <laughs> About two weeks later, this dude, he's a senior in high school. He came up to me. He said, Pastor Brady, remember what you told us? That was a lie, wasn't it? <laughs> he said, I went home and told my dad. I said, what'd your dad say? He said, that was brilliant. <laughs> he said, but it was a lie. And he said, man, I thought that. I thought you were lying, but I didn't leave. <laughs> There's a chance it could have been true. So you think about this, you see that four high school guys, they're in their room thinking, man, I'd like, to, I'd like to get out of here. I don't know. He said if we open the door, then there's a message going down, and then they'll send the message, and we'll have to go, we better stay put. <laughs> Do you know what in your life and in my life, there are lies from the enemy that has come, they've come into your mind, and they are holding you captive. That's a stronghold, and everybody has them. You know, and, and there are things that, 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 Say things like this, you'll never amount to anything. That's a lie. You're created in the image of God. There's a lie that says you only go around once, you better get yours. That's not true. You will live somewhere forever. There's a lie that says it's my body. I can do with my body whatever I want to. That's a lie. It's not. You're bought with a price. You belong to the Lord. You see, there's lie after lie after lie that we believe, and they keep us locked up into these patterns of behavior and these strongholds. And here's a very important principle, and this is not easy, but this is true. If you want to win, listen, is anybody ready for a breakthrough this fall? That wasn't rhetorical. Is there anybody here that would just say, I am just sick and tired of losing in the same area of my life? What's it going to take? Well, you must define your stronghold before you can defend against it and defeat it. you got to define it first. What is it? And we want to help you with that. Let me give you a passage of Scripture. This is, a, this is a dangerous prayer, but this is what God wants to do. God wants to begin to reveal these strongholds to you, these, these false beliefs you've had that are keeping you held captive. Because it's not so much the behavior. Watch this. Watch this. It's not so much the behavior that is the problem in your life. It is the belief underneath the behavior that needs to be dealt with. You see, that's what the enemy knows that we don't know. David says this in Psalms chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. He's saying, show me these strongholds. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I wonder if you do that. This is a part of the art of winning. God, show me, help me to define this stronghold. Now, let me ask you this question. We'll move on to the final part. What is the lie? that you are currently believing that has become a stronghold in your life? What is the lie you are currently believing from the enemy that has become your stronghold? 
Now let's look at the third and final thing, the third and final phase. If we've talked about special teams and we've talked about defense, what's left? That's pretty weak. <laughs> Offense, right? Offense. Here we go. I'm going to ask you, you guys still awake over there? You still with me? Offensive player, I'm going to have to ask you to help me because I'm losing these folks, right? So I need you to help me here because I think you can bring this home. You guys help with that? Because this is going to be a rock-solid spiritual principle that will help, and these guys understand this principle probably better than anybody in this room because the art of winning takes a clear offensive strategy. And the art of winning is more about mastering the fundamentals than focusing on the next trick play. It's mastering the fundamentals. Look at this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments. That's offensive. We have to go on the attack. We demolish arguments. Are these lies that the enemy is bringing into our life all day, every day? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's what's going on in your life every day, lie after lie after lie that's coming into you in so many different forms. And he says, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That word obedient or, take, or that word take it captive means to take it captive at sword point, right? That's the word picture here. And if you know the scripture, Galatians chapter six, the armor of God, every single part of the armor of God, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, every part of the armor of God that's listed there in Galatians chapter six is a defensive weapon. There's only one offensive weapon in the armor of God. And you know what it is? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the only thing it is. And so now, here's where we have to bring all this home. I was listening to a podcast, listening to a podcast of a great offensive coordinator this week as I was exercising, and he said this. He said, the best offensive coordinator probably only calls the right play six out of ten times because he doesn't always know the defense. And so, how many quarterbacks? Where are the quarterbacks? Right there? Can you raise your hand, quarterbacks? Right, so here's what a quarterback has to do. A quarterback has to take a look at the defense and see the play that's called in, and he says, great quarterbacks have to get me, talk the, the play caller, out of a bad call because they understand what's coming at them. And so here's what this looks like for us. Every single day as a believer, you play quarterback. The enemy is coming at you. He's got an attack. Now, here's the good thing about the enemy. Watch this. Here's the good thing about the enemy. He blitzes. He's only got three, three different blitzes that he uses. The Bible says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the heart, and the willful pride of life. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Pleasure pride and possessions. That's three ways the enemy will come at you. Now he'll vary that. He'll vary that, but he's going to come at you in three ways. So you've got to understand how he is attacking you. You've got to see it and you've got to learn how to call the right play to bring victory in that. Now quarterbacks and receivers, can you look at me this way? Help me. When you see a blitz coming, I hope you answer this the right way. If not, this sermon's going to, it's, I mean, this is all in your hands here, right? We'll try to sell a lot of tickets for you guys if you could help me out right here. Anybody with me? When you see a certain blitz package coming at you, do you have a set of plays that beat that blitz? Do you? Can somebody nod? You do. You got blitz busters. You know, if they are going to do this, I know three or four plays that if we call, they beat that play, right? And you got to get into that play. Can I tell you something? That's the way it is spiritually. There are blitz busters. There are, there are attacks that the enemy has, and there are ways that God has given you for victory, but you've got to know what they are. Jesus in the wilderness, the enemy is attacking him. He attacks him in three ways. Every single time the enemy comes and tempts Jesus, what does Jesus do? Help me. He quotes a passage of Scripture. He has a blitz buster. He knows exactly, because the Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will what? 
set you free. When you know the truth, it sets you free. Here's the problem. Most people know that verse, but they don't know enough truth to walk in freedom. I'm yelling because I want you to understand this. This is your responsibility. It's not anybody else's responsibility. Here's where the art of winning, here's where the rubber meets the road. You've got to know enough truth. When you see the enemy coming in one way, you've got to know a passage of scripture. You've got to have it memorized. You've got to know it cold because you know that that passage is going to get you. It's going to be a blitz buster for what the enemy is throwing. Here's let me play this out for me in my life. I can struggle with some anxiety and fear sometimes. Anybody else? Nobody? <laughs> I'm afraid of you guys. So what do I do? When I'm prone to struggle with some anxiety and struggle with some fear sometimes, I quote, I quote a blitzbuster for me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I have to have this memorized. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, re- present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You say, what do you do? I just go to that. When I'm feeling those thoughts, I go to that passage of Scripture, and it renews my mind and starts to give me victory. It's a blitzbuster. I'm prone to struggle with lust sometime in my life. Anybody else? Nobody. Like, I got a neighbor who does. I might write this down for him. (laughs) Every dude in this room does, right? Every dude in this room does. Most of the time, we don't have a battle plan for it because the enemy, he's bringing it, right? He's bringing it today or tomorrow. So what do you do? You have to have a blitz buster. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 would be a good one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, I challenge you to memorize it. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, If anything is right, if anything is pure, if anything is lovely, if anything is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. You know what that is? That's renewing your mind. That's the enemy coming with a blitz, and you've got a play that you know to call. And listen, it will start to give you victory because Jesus did that three times. You know what the enemy did? He fled. And that will begin to happen for you in your life. But it's up to you. It's not up to me. Right, it's not up to me. I've got to do that for my own self. I, I, I've got to have those plays in my own arsenal, right? I've got to know them, and so do you if you want to walk in victory. Here's action step today. Remember what we talked about. Special teams, it's more about trusting than trying. You see that? God's given us his divine power, everything we need for godly living. Second thing, defense, you've got to begin to define it before you can defend it and defeat it. We have some folks that will help you with that. In just a few moments, there are going to be people standing up here. You can email us. You can call us. We have encouragers, biblical counselors. It won't cost you anything, but they will help you. They will sit with you. I I had to do this in my life, and they'll help to show you a false belief that's keeping you captive. Offense, know your stronghold. Know your blitz busters. The enemy keeps winning because you haven't called the right play. God's given it to you, but you've got to memorize it if you're going to be free, and you've got to release it. You've got to share that truth right into the enemy and watch what it'll do. Hey, let me close with this. Ultimately, the art of winning takes redefining the win. I, I loved what Kelly said. He's, he's a cool guy. Here's a guy who's played in the NFL for 13 years. To be honest, he's made a lot of money. He could kind of kick back and take it easy. You go to his house on Thursday night, I've been there. It's a ton of high school guys and girls that are there. and He and Lori are providing food for them and teaching them the truth of God's word. That's a win. It's pretty cool. How do you define win? I'm asking. How do you define winning? Could it be, listen, I'm done. Could it be that the biggest losers in our culture are those who have won all their lives and things that really don't matter. 
They've made a lot of money. They're the life of the party. They got the girl. But they are winning in things that do not matter. Here's what Jesus said. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what Jesus said. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? wonder if you signed the contract. wonder if it was $15 million in your bank. Most people would say, winning. What good is it, Jesus said, if you gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? You know what Jesus is saying? He says, you don't have eternal perspective. We're here for 80, 90 years at best. Everyone in this room will spend eternity somewhere. How do you define the win? I define the win this way, knowing Christ, knowing that I am forgiven, knowing that his presence dwells within me through the power of his Holy Spirit, and I want to make him known. Can you bow your heads with me today? All across this room, all across this room, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Listen. I wonder if there's anybody here today who would say something like this. I'm winning in a lot of areas in my life that the world might say are important. I've been successful in a lot of different things. But I guess I never thought about it from an eternal perspective. And what Jesus said relates to me. What good is it if a person gains the whole world but forfeits their soul? I think that's where I'm at. I think that's where I'm at. I've gained a bunch of stuff, but when it comes to my standing eternally before a holy God, I don't think I'm winning. If that's you here today, that's you here today, and you would like to be born again, to come alive spiritually, to have the greatest win ever in your life, let me tell you, the price for that win has been paid for through the sinless sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and he offers it to you today. Is there anybody here today who would say, you know what, Jesus, if this is what you offer, I'll receive it. Would you pray this? If that's you, would you pray this silently right where you are? Jesus, I have been losing where it matters most. Jesus, I have rejected you. Jesus, I have sinned against you. But today, I want forgiveness. Would you tell him that today? I want to be set free. I want to win where it matters most. Would you tell him this? Jesus, I trust you and you alone. I trust what you did. Would you tell him this? I trust what you did when you died in my place on the cross as the payment for my sin. Jesus, I put my faith in that. I trust that. And I believe you rose from the grave to give me victory. And Jesus, today, I'm yours. I'm yours. Where it matters most, I'm yours. If you're here today as a believer, if you're here today as a believer, but there's been some battles that you've been losing in your life and you're ready for a breakthrough, you're ready for a breakthrough, would you pray this? Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you remind me of the power I have in you and through you? Father, would you show me some strongholds in my life? 
Father, would you show me how I need to defend my heart? Would you tell him that? And Father, would you grant me the discipline to know these blitzbusters and to apply your truth to the enemy? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.